You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey, I'm Brett. And I'm Steven. And we are the Broadway Husbands. And we are coming at you with a special episode to wrap up 2020. What a year it has been. Crazy year, but we wanted to give you some of our favorite moments with our favorite guests from this past year to bring you joy. We hope that you and your family are safe this holiday season. We cannot wait to come back to you with new episodes, new guests in 2021. As always, please come find us on Instagram at Broadway Husbands. And if you can, share an episode or two of your favorite. And this episode, today, you're going to actually hear clips from some of our guests, some of our favorite guests that we've had over the last year that we think will help inspire you, give you a dose of love and joy, and send you off to finish this year in a really happy and loving place. And remember Don't to love who you love and love what you do. First up is our interview with Chris Rice and Clay Thompson. It's usually it's usually Halloween because, like he said before, my birthday's on Halloween, so every birthday party as a kid was always like crazy Halloween themed and we like went trick or treating. Mm -hmm. So now I'm like over dressing up, but he never dressed up as a kid. So now he always loves dressing up. So I, we like meet in the middle ground and do like a Disney bound when we go to Disney. So that's kind of like our way of dressing up and not dressing up at the same time. Yeah. We love a Disney bound. It's, it changes the whole experience. I think. Yeah. Yeah. We've done, We've done Buzz and Woody. Mm-hmm. That was probably my favorite. I think. Yeah. We did Winnie the Pooh and Tigger. We did. We both were Mickey Mouse ones. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we love it. To get the. Uh... I have kind of a serious question oh. that came up because you were talking, Chris, about growing up religious and how has that affected your relationship, if at all, in your you know coming out? And I mean, this is the first person you really have been with as a mm-hmm. gay man. And now this is the same person you're married to. Has there been a lot of like coming to terms with your religious background and accepting a new way of life? Or have you had to like, and, and especially with your family, has there ever been any complications with that and, and your evolution as a relationship? Clay's giving a bit, big, That's a big head. head on. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. That's such a layered question. And there's so many different avenues I could go down uh, to kind of, uh, go into this, but I will say, yes, there's been personal things I had to work, work out and work through. And, uh, one thing was I thought I w- at one point in my life in my very limited view that I would not be a man if I, you know, was with another man or felt romantic feelings for another man. I thought that I was, uh, would be unhappy and would be full, filled with shame and all these things that I was taught for yep. my life up until that point. And to find out that none of those were true was a really big eye opening thing for me that I felt yep. more like a man. I felt more, uh, more happy, less shameful, uh, being out in the open. It was uh, such a, a gift, and it took me years and years to work through that. I came out at like 23 or 24, so um, it was a lot to work through personally. And the family, is, they're coming around. It's taken them a long time. Coming out was really hard and re- it really did not go well, and it went exactly how I thought it would. Um, my family has reacted how I thought they would kind of nonstop through. I've kind of had them pegged. Um, but a lot of things have progressed and my parents and 
several of my siblings came to the wedding and that was great. And, uh, those who didn't, I'm sad they missed out and that's on them. And also I had that pegged too. So, you know, sometimes you just, not that I, I don't know, I was hopeful that I'd be wrong, but you know, sometimes you, you know, people expect the best from them and up to them to deliver, I guess. Well, so what's the key to you making the relationship work when there's this side of your family that, you know, cause I know for me, I had a similar experience growing up in the South where, you know, my, it was, it felt very important to have my family accept me. But then at some point you have to decide, do I want them to accept me or do I want to be happy? Right. right. And so what's the key to like coming to terms with yourself and, um, and letting go of that part of your, of your identity, your family? Well, I think, um, I think initially seeing Clay a supportive family, like they are supportive through and through. They love him for who he is and they don't want him to change. They're, they're so loving and so amazing in so many ways. Uh, so I could see, I saw that it was possible. So that was, uh, eye opening and wonderful for me. And also for me to experience that support and love from them has been great. Um, I think another thing that a friend, what we say it a lot in our, in the LGBTQ community is that, you know, uh, your family is your chosen family is your family. The people that check in on you, you know, that's your family, the people that love you no matter what, that's your family. And for a while I really was resistant to that idea, but one day it just kind of clicked. I think maybe around the engagement, whenever my family was dealing with that, the way they wanted to deal with it. And I was kind of just like, screw it. I love my family no matter what. And uh, if they're going to love me, they're going to love me. If they're going to support me, they're going to support me. But I have a, a wonderful, amazing support system in my life. And we both do, Clay and I, as a unit do. And we're so lucky to have that, first of all. And second, we don't need someone to approve us just because we're related to them by blood. And just because my whole extended family is really close and have family reunions once or twice a year for weeks at a time, they're very, very close. And just because a lot of them don't approve of... Clay's, Clay's saying, no, that's not for him. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing all these things quietly so that I'm, this is for us. But, well, they're okay. just, <laughs> but you know, it's a, it's a, my, my relationship looks different than theirs and people have the option to accept it. And um, when it came time to invite people to our wedding, my rule for my family was if they didn't say congratulations when we got engaged, uh, they didn't get an invite. It was a very short list because my younger brother got engaged a week after us and we can have after us and, and those, those uh, congratulatory messages all over social media were flooding in for him and everyone was just silent on my end. So I was like, okay, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm no worse off. I have the same support system I did before. And now we just kind of know who supports and who doesn't. Well, where does, um, just my last question around this topic, because I think it's, I think it's good for people to hear, you know, um, that where, did, where is religion in your life now? Are you able to find, I mean, I'm sure there's a huge difference between spirituality and religion, of course, but um have you found like a, uh, like a piece with that part of your growing up? Sure. I think initially, yes. Uh, right off, like, as I said, kind of like coming into my own, it really, I was kind of more at peace with myself and, you know, my religion, I think through the Trump administration and through everything happening in the world right now, it's been really eye opening to people that I once looked up to for their wisdom and, uh, with religion and Christianity. And I've lost a lot of faith in them and what they believe. I do believe in God. And I, I think I'm still figuring out um, the ins and outs of what that means in my life and our life. Uh, Cause I just still consider myself a Christian, but it's just, I know that it's so far from the, uh, from the views of many that are very vocal with their views. 
Um, I believe in inclusivity and I believe, I don't believe in bigotry and I don't believe in, I do believe in science. And there are things that, uh, yeah. uh, you know, if I were to say, I agree with this certain religion, I feel like that really, I'd have to be really, really specific with my uh, points in there because there's a lot yeah. of uh, practices that I don't, you know, agree with these days. We found a really awesome church. If, if you're ever looking to go to church in the city, called Middle Collegiate Church down by us in the East Village. And it's open and affirming. And that's been so helpful for us in the last few years, just to be able to have that, you know, just go back to our faith and, and have that in our lives. Um, But I mean, it is, but it's tricky because, you know, we have conversations with my parents, we're like, we're going to church. And in their head, that means we're going to this Oh, sure. you know, oh, yeah. I know. I'm like, no, they're actually like protesting, you know, yeah. Trump, you know, at the church. <laughs> and here's a clip from Adam Heinemann and Bradley Gibson. Did it feel right? Because it felt like this was like an easier relationship than you had ever been in before. Was that because you were being a little bit more honest with each other like right from the different. get-go. Yeah, what was yeah. different? What made it feel What allowed so me good. to um, be pretty all-in quickly was that I had experienced some other serious relationships before and I had made, you know, my um, non-negotiables of, like, how to step into vulnerability and how to share. And um, like I said, I'm, I'm pretty direct. So um, I, I saw the opportunity to just like put myself out there and he was so willing to step and meet me in all of those places. And I think where he was in the context and timing of his life also brought him to a similar place. And we've grown, of course, like every relationship does. But I think we came um, to the space together as individuals, like really clear about who we were and what we had to share. So then what we got to share was really exciting. Yeah, the timing was so right. I think it just all kind of worked out in this beautiful, like open way, right? Mm -hmm. I was in a space where I had been in relationships that weren't good for me. I also been through a time where I was, you know, dating around and figuring out exactly what I want and exactly, what I was looking for. And so I was in a space where I was ready for something different and serious and something that I could be myself, but also grow with mm-hmm. someone. And mm-hmm. I found that quickly in him. I was also so um, inspired by him. I quickly, the first thing that attracted me to Adam was seeing how, um, how great of a human he is, how his level of humanity is so high. He was doing a Broadway show. He was volunteering at the Trevor Project. He was doing all these things that were like causing him to like run around New York City every day. He still does that every single day, (laughs) run around New York City. Um, But doing so much good, right? And always trying to bring his best self to the the table. And um, I knew that that's the kind of person I wanted to spend time with in any way, right? As my boyfriend, Mm -hmm. as my friend. And yeah. For me, it was a little bit of... um a risk or a breaking of a rule myself, because I always told myself not to date within the industry. Mm. Yeah, And I don't know where that started or what kind of preconceived notion that was, um, but I never allowed myself to really do that 
Um, and then when can we, I, but speak to that just for one second, cause I want to, I feel like we all have been told yeah. that. So what do you think the fear is around that? that people... Yeah. I think that there's considerations around it because we're always working with, within a small community. Mm-hmm. So there, of course, if a relationship goes sour or poorly, you could be in a contract with that person down the road. You could be collaborating. They could be with someone else that you know, it, it kind of mm-hmm. gets very um, insular and concentric in that way. Um, so sometimes you you want to prevent that, but I think if you're coming at it with integrity and mm-hmm. respect for people, then it's just like anything else. Um, and then the amazing benefits that we have received in our partnership from having um, a, a similar pursuit having understanding of like what it takes to be an artist in this crazy city Mm. um yeah there's a lot of synergy between being um actors and performers of color being um of the same kind of generation and and having some similarities in our background and families that um really parallel the artistic you know similarities as well so Mm -hmm. What, um, since you are both in the same business, mm-hmm. do you, are, do you guys often go in for the same roles or how does that affect your relationship? If it does, or if it doesn't, I don't know if it yeah. does. Yeah. I think it's that, something to negotiate. Yeah. It's something to negotiate. I think that you kind of have to be really honest with yourself. Mm-hmm. I think this about our relationship, but also about your friendships in the industry mm-hmm. too. You know, we're all out here trying to get the jobs yeah. and, you know, make careers and climb the ladder. And we all want to be working. We all want to do our best. This next clip is from our interview with Alexandra Billings and her wife, Chrisanne Blankenship. We no longer have to say first transgender, first Mm -hmm. black person, first, uh, um, Asian first, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That we no longer have to say or highlight that, that, and it's not a color blindness. I'm not suggesting color blindness. What I'm suggesting is um, the, <clears throat> um, the family of humanity that, that um, whether, whether you like it or not, my southern brethren, we come out of the Rift Valley in Africa, and we have uh, one set, or we have a couple of sets of DNA in us, all of us, and uh, that, uh, you know, that's what people are taking to the streets for. And it basically, it's every time people take to the streets is to say, it's ridiculous to be marginalized and I will no longer do it because you, the white power hierarchy, you're no different. You'd like to think you are but you are not. If I cut my uh, uh, chest open, and, or I'm sorry, and and my very dear friend Michael cuts his chest open, 
believe me, the color of the blood is going to be the same. So are the arrangements of the internal organs. So is the weight of the brain. We're, it's, it's so, it's, it's, to me, it's almost like gender as well. It's so ridiculous mm-hmm. that you have to find that, the, that, that white people, myself, have to find a way to differentiate ourselves. There is no difference, folks. There's just none. There's no difference. <laughs> Go, listen, the world is being destroyed around us. We, by 2035, we're going to be in a, a heck of a way with our climate, with the, with the destruction that's going on to uh, species, to ourselves. We're going to be in a heck of a way. So enough with the enough with the crap. Yeah. Enough with the crap. Let's really focus as a family mm-hmm. on our home. Amen. Yeah. Well said. This is beautiful. Um, <clears throat> what a blessing uh, you both are to our lives this year. Thank you for that. Um, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for giving us this platform and inviting us in. Yeah. We appreciate it. So, okay, we're going to change gears a little bit. What, when you're, I know you both work together on projects. You have a production company. Yes. Schmangi Incorporated. <laughs> Schmangi? Schmangi. Correct. Schmangi. Schmangi. It's spelled S-C-H-M-E-N-G-I-E. It has a C in it. And it's Schmangi. encompassing. It encompasses. It's an encompassing word. Compass, we we're all together in it. I love that shmangy. shmangy. So what what is it like for you to work together on projects? How do you? Oh my god, I hate it. Horrible. <laughs> really, oh, it's like a. Have you ever had your fingernails I pulled just, out like, one by it's one? Like my finger in a, in a light socket constantly. Bad. Or circumcision. Wow. It's a lot like circumcision. Well, I, I wouldn't know. know. No, you would not. I would not you know would that. Not know that. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, and I'm not sorry. I'm not sorry. I wouldn't I be know. sorry. <laughs> I would not be sorry. It's like the best thing in the world. It's like, uh, I think, um, when, when <laughs> it's, it can be, well, it's like the best thing in the world. It's also like the worst thing in the world. We both have egos. Um, I don't. No. <laughs> both have egos, pressing on. Um the lucky thing or or the divine thing or whatever you want to call it is that we agree what the need is. We agree that marginalized, otherized communities are the stories that we want to tell. And here's a fun clip from our interview with the Shufords. And you had a roommate? Oh, no. Did you live by yourself? Yeah. I okay. didn't have a TV. I read books. Yeah. And you had a roommate? Uh, actually, uh, I had an apartment by myself in, in this complex, and then I moved in with this other guy to cut the rent, which was a big mistake. But anyway, <laughs> I did that. But I think I was living with him in that apartment at the time. When we you had, found the house? Yeah. So when you found this? No, we, we were we were living together. 
when I when we found the house. Oh, see, so who? When did you move in together? I don't know. Probably about three or four weeks after we met. <laughs> Why so soon? He well, wanted to get out of that apartment. Oh, because the roommate situation. And and, and it, it, he didn't want to be uh, commuting between the two. Because it was kind of out in the suburbs, and I yeah. was down in the Garden District, I like, close to his work. I like the Garden District too. Like well, it. yeah, <laughs> she does have a good taste. <laughs> yeah. Of course. So now you're living together. Did who? Do you remember who said "I love you" first? Like, was there like a moment where you somebody was like "I love you" and then no? No, it was the business deal. It was first. the business deal. Okay, so no, you, we 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 had already, you know, we already loved each other and right. then we had spoken the words. Right. But I don't recall how it first came up. Well, so I just want to go back a second. So you've known each other three weeks and you move in. It was about that long, three or four weeks. <laughs> Into it. He talked he you into it. me into it. Okay. What how, what did he have yeah. to say that got you convinced? Cheaper. <laughs> she didn't have any money. So I didn't have much more. <laughs> but you know, even then when I was making that, I put fifty dollars a month in savings of my paycheck. I'm always proud of that. <laughs> So you're so you convinced it's just convenience, it's cheaper. Let's just we're, we're spending all this time together anyway. Three weeks in, we might as well just like my rent. Like I don't want to renew my lease next month. I'll just move in with you. Right. I think it was two weeks. Wow. wow, it was pretty quick. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> when? How long were you living together before you were like, let's get a house? Let's see, July to December. <laughs> <laughs> you guys were quick. Yeah. So you were like, let's get a house. Mm -hmm. And you, there was no like moment between that and saying, let's get married. Like, let's get a house first. No. So that was no like, proposal. No. The house, the house was first. We were sitting in my apartment. I was on the couch. He was sitting across in a chair and there was a window behind him. And he said that he wanted to buy this house. And uh, would we, you know, pool our money and go in and buy this house? And I said, no. I said, I said, what's wrong with living the way we are? We're happy just like this. And he started on, you know, he's a very good salesman. And he, he said that, we had enough money to, to buy one, and he was just giving, you know, scenario of how much better it would be when you have to climb up the stairs, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and he, I, he had found one. And I said, I like it just the way it is. <laughs> If you missed our episode with Stephen's parents, check out this clip from our interview with the Hannahs. And that was the first time we met. It was September of 67. Wow. And it, it took me from September to December to come to ask me out. <laughs>
I worked on it. Okay, so what did you, what were you, like, were you just trying to, like, talk to him or drop hints? Or, like, well, how were trying, you trying to do trying that? I to talk to him and acting like I was lost. We went out, we had to deliver something. He was going the same direction. I said, can you help me find wherever it was we were going? I never remember, remember that. She set me up. Do you remember that, Dad? Yeah, but... I didn't realize she was setting me up. For <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. So that's why I do things like that. We'd be sitting down. So if we had a break, I'd go over and start talking to him. Yeah. Yeah, do you remember like what kind of conversations you had at that time? If like just small talk. Just, just small talk. Yeah. Once you go to school and you know, right. is there somebody in your life? Uh -huh. and, you know, brothers and sisters. Just a normal conversation. Okay. What do you like to do? That's sort of fun. What did he say when he? What did he like to do to, at that point? When he was 18, what he did really, he say? Well, at that point I learned he, he was a ballet dancer, oh, which right. I was totally in shock because I myself, it's more like a ballet dancer. My version of ballet dancer, of course, back then was very different, right. although he was very muscular, in really good shape, yeah. and he informed me how I'd been in D.C. for a couple of years dancing, oh. and gotten his driver's license there, and his, his family life wasn't, <clears throat> his parents weren't real happy with him anyhow. So he may come back to Coriopolis and graduate from high school. So he just kind of like trying to find himself, figure out what he wanted to do. So he got a job and... And then how... <laughs> so he finally asked you out and what, what happened? So he was like, hey, do you want to go out? What did, you, what did he say yeah, to Yeah, he you? said, let's go out. It was a Friday night and we decided to go see a movie. It was called Wait Until Dark. It was a <laughs> scary movie. At that time, the theaters were only in the city of Pittsburgh. You, couldn't, you didn't have your theaters like you have in the outskirts. Right. So we made arrangements to go out and... I'm waiting and waiting, and he's 45 minutes late, and I thought, <laughs> he stood me up. <laughs> so I called a friend, and I said, he never showed up. Let's get ready, and let's go out. Just then there's a knock at the door, <laughs> and it was him. Well, I mean, wait Coriopolis is kind of far wait, from no, Bethel Farm. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, wait a minute. We have yeah. to clarify this. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> the number on the house doesn't correspond with the preceding houses. They, okay. That's, that's very true. It, it's like it stopped <laughs> at like 40 something and then boom, there's her house. 60. 62. The numbers uh, did not work. Not yeah. Right. And, and it was on, on a curve. And I thought, I don't know if it's this house or not. <laughs> but I, I lucked out and knocked on the wrong, right door. Okay. Because <laughs> that before cell phones and GPS and even right. going by my directions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, and at the time, well, still to this day, Mom, you're older than Dad. I'm two years and eight months older than Dad. <laughs> so, so what was, talk a little bit about, like, did you have any hesitation about going out with a younger guy at the time? Yes, yes, I did. I went home and talked to my mother. I said, I really like this guy at work. He's really cute. And finally asked me out, and I realized he's only 18, and I was 20 at the time. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? My mother said, oh, for heaven's sakes, it's a date. Just go out. You're not going to marry him. <laughs> I said, you're probably right. So we went out. <laughs> wow. So, so you go on this first date, and then what happens from there? Like, do you continue seeing each other regularly? Well, wait, like, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to ask Ed. Oh, gosh. Were you like, yeah, I scored an older woman. Like, I'm 18, I'm dating a 22-year-old. No, She's not 22, it's 20. 20. 20. I didn't really 20, sorry, that. 20. I didn't think about that. You didn't? I just liked her. Yeah? Did you keep doing backflips just, like, because she knew she liked it? Well, those hallways were great for that. <laughs> <laughs> they were long, 
And, and on either side, once in a while, these were those really thick oriental rugs, you know? And it was in a, a, a big square. Right. And, and the length of those hallways were probably a couple hundred feet. Did you ever hurt yourself? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, that that was fun. It, it, was, it passed the time. I believe it. Okay, so you, so, you're, so now you're, you're dating. You're dating, and about how long into this dating did one of you say "I love you"? And who said "I love you" first? It was probably four or five months, and I probably said it first. I don't remember. It was probably that I said it first. So. I can't remember that for a And we're going to wrap it up with a fun clip from Broadway favorites, Robin Herder and Clyde Alves. What were, I you, just what to were you imagining doing instead, or were you? Or just or were you just thinking about being a mom? Anything else. I just was, I just was taking, it all happened really, really fast. Like we thought we were going to wait like 10 months to start having a baby. And I walked out of the stage door crying one night and he says, let's go. And I go, Really? <laughs> And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, but what about money? And it was Kelly O'Hara who gave me the best advice ever. She said she was also trying to have a baby, which she did get pregnant in that show as well, her second child. She said, Robin, you're never going to have enough money. You're, it's never going to be the right time. And you're always going to miss out on a job. And if you just keep holding on to those things, you're never going to have a kid. Right. And I was like, you're right. And I just realized that's really what it what it was. I I just needed to have a baby. And literally do the most selfless thing I could possibly imagine. And and boy, did I. <laughs> um, yeah, so we were very fortunate. We got pregnant really, really quick. He left to go do On the Town at Barrington. And then I went through the journey of being pregnant. And it was not the most enjoyable. <laughs> it was I had I'd gotten a, a back injury. Uh, I tore my L5S1. And so the weight, he was breached in the way he was sitting. Uh, the last five months of pregnancy, I couldn't even walk. It, oh. My sciatica was so bad. Um, five months? It, it, yeah, I, it was like I'd get up and I'd fall down screaming because it was so, oh, the pain was wow. so horrible in my back, going down my legs. Um, and he was, so he's a C-section because he was breached because he was very stubborn and he just sat his ass down on my pelvis for literally four months. And he was just like, legs up here, head, like just legs, head, <laughs> just in my rib cage. And um, yeah, I just had a C-section, got him out. And then it was just a, a struggle. Even though I wanted to take a year off to be a full-time mom, I did not have the desire to go back to auditioning even though my agents were like here the, the revival of cabaret i'm like i am 175 pounds right now <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like, i have 45 pounds on me <laughs> i mean i can't i can't function right now like i can't show up in a bra and underwear you know <laughs> you could man it would just be oh, lumpy um, so, so how has, anyway, so for, for both of you, but how has having a child changed the industry or your, at least your approach to the industry since then? 
that's a that's a big one. Do you want to? Well, yeah, I'll I'll make it quick. Basically, um, there were even moments when I just felt because he was opening up uh, on the town on Broadway when he was yes, (laughs) when (laughs) I was very hormonal dragon lady. uh, Like I I was telling him I resented him. I was jealous. I was angry. I was just like, so my body was not mine. I have this baby on my boob all the time. All he does is snack, snack, snack to this day. All he does is snack. He doesn't eat full meals. And I just felt like I was just, all of my identity was gone. Like I didn't know who I was. And it was, and there were moments where I thought that I'm done. I'm not going back to musical theater. Um, this is it. I'm over. I'm, I'm through. Um, but then I just needed, I needed to be a, a mom. And then basically at 18 months, that's when I started to, to come back. And I didn't give a boop about anything. I just walked into auditions and I was like, take it. <laughs> <laughs> I was so like thinking about either pumping or, or thinking about the babysitter or the food or schedules with him that I would just walk in and really not give two Fs. And it changed everything. I mean, I, I, I thank Hudson for where I am because I think that's what gave me even more confidence as a female in this business to be like, of course my career is important, but this is, this is my life, mm-hmm. this child and this, you know, we call it our triangle, like this unit, this is what matters. And it gives me that fuel to keep to keep working harder and harder and harder so I can help contribute to making my family's life the best it can possibly be. Yeah. It was, it was, it was pretty amazing to, it was such like, we were going through polar opposite things. You know, I, I, uh, I had like the largest opportunity that I, I had to date, you know, and she's a very young mother of a couple, you know, a couple month old baby. And she's at home all day with this thing. And I'm like, it's not, it wasn't like I wasn't working hard either, you know, but I would get home and I feel terrible because I would see the look on her face and, uh, Dragon. you know, and I was living, I was living my life, but it, again, not easy because I'd go home and I, and I felt like I needed to help the family. Uh, he was so tired, but you know, and, and she would say stuff like, you know, like I resent you. And, and I was, I was naive enough to be like, Oh, come on. No, you don't. Um, <laughs> I didn't, I it handled was, that really horm- well. It was hormones. Um, but, uh, she really did. Like, honestly, I, I looked into her eyes. She really, she really did lose herself and, and to see, to be there with her at that moment and her saying stuff like, because of what has happened to our lives, um, this child is extremely important. I don't know if I am an actress anymore because I feel like my number one thing is to take care of this 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 baby and to make sure that he has everything. And I said, I, listen, I see I see what you're saying, but I and I'm not going to tell you what you want. But you're an actor. Like, this is what you do. This is what you love. And there's a season for everything. Right now, the season is we're here in this situation and, and I'm lucky enough to be making a good salary in a show that's in the city. 
and that's getting us through for now. And I said, but it, things are going to change and, and you're going to have your time again. Um, again, like I'm not forced. I want you to do whatever it is that you actually want to do. And if you're saying you're not an actress anymore, then I'll support you. I just don't believe it. Right. <laughs> um, and it was amazing to see that transition and to see the steps that she took and slowly, um, literally kind of like methodically. And then the lights started to come back on when we were doing Kiss Me Kate together at a, a Shakespeare Theater Company. Like there was a night specifically. Was it, it was my your birthday. birthday? Yeah. But before that, I'll t- I'll, I have to say the show that I, I got back into when Hudson was 18 months, it was my first show back. And it was like. Uh, the gods came down and gave me the role of Norma Cassidy in Victor Victoria oh, to go quit. Right. I would play that role for the rest of my life. It's just like my comfort zone of, you know, being a complete idiot of just this role is so amazingly just dumb and silly. It was a good um, icebreaker for me coming back into musical theater. Mm. It was a comfort zone that, you know, she gets to be like a, you know, a sexy floozy, which I, I know how to do that. I've done it a couple times. Um, <laughs> but it also, I get to use like my comedy that I love to do so much. But it was when we were doing Kiss Me Kate at Shakespeare Theater Company. And I have to give a shout out to Alan Paul and Michelle Lynch, who mm-hmm. direct Alan directed it, Michelle choreographed it, and the collaboration with Michelle with uh, staging Always True to You was literally my musical theater role dream come true. I told her I had this vision because I love the like pinup art. I love pinup girls. And uh, I just said, I envision me just in this negligee and the, all these, it's like pinup poses, like these women coming to life on every man that I'm talking about. And it was everything. And Tom Dicker Harry with, with Clyde and the, the two other guys who Kano Shea Creel and um, Brandon Bieber, like mm-hmm. it just, it was everything I wanted. And that's when I was, it was my birthday. I got a lit, I drank a little bit and I told Clyde, I felt so alive. I said, well, I'm showing the computer. You can't see this, but I told him, I said, I'm getting a tattoo tonight. <laughs> and so we did like three in the morning. I just went was in. It the star? Was it no, this or the star? This was, it was the heart. I got a heart on my wrist at like three in the morning, just to remember to love. Like just, it's love. It's like, I, this is in my body. And it was, I don't know, that night I was like, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep working hard and I can do, I can do both. I'm going to try to be the best mother. And, you know, every day I say that I stink at one or the other, but it is possible to do both. You just have to work really hard and have a lot of love and passion, which I, I know that I do. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.